You know sometimes you have an evil eye of somebody and it messes you up. Nazar laggay they say. Little child or somebody else. Likewise, you can actually have the righteous eye. A benefit of the righteous eye. You just need those eyes. It's the righteous eye. If a bad eye can work from a distance, they don't even have to touch you, they just have to give you a bad eye. Sometimes even without realizing, then they can be good eyes. Now they use that idea, Junaid al-Baghdadi is using that idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, when, when from the noble one, one glance comes. When he says, okay, Ahmed, Yusuf, Abdurrahman, Muhammad, that's it. I like what you've done. You're a sinner. I love what you did that day. Al-Haqatil Musi' bil Muhsin. He can take that wrong, that wrongdoer, that sinner, and make him from the group of righteous ones. He just wants an excuse. He just wants us to try to get back, get back, get back. He's not going to mess us around. No, you can't come back. He's not going to make us jump through hoops. As long as we've done the right thing, it's a very straightforward scientific approach with Allah. Make your tawbah sincerely and you get back. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahir Rabbil Alameen, Was Salatu Was Salamu Ala Sayyidil Mursaleen, Wa Ala Alihi Wa Sahbihi Wa Baraka Wa Salama Tasliman Kathiran. Ila Yawmiddin. أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد نبئ عبادي أني أنا الغفور الرحيم صدق الله العظيم So brothers, sisters, dear friends Last time we started wisdom number 49 of Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari رحمه الله His book of wisdoms which is on page 97 It's the last one there, number 49 We did half of it So the first half of it was لَا يَعْظُمُ الذَّنْبُ عِنْدَكَ عَظَمَةً تَصُدُّكَ عَنْ حُسْنِ الظَّنِّ بِاللَّهِ تَعَالَى That was the first part which meant let no sin reach such a proportion in your mind, in your eyes that it cuts you off from having a good opinion about Allah. The next part of it is, it's a continuation of it فَإِنَّ مَنْ عَرَفَ رَبَّهِ إِسْتَصْغَرَ فِي جَنْبِ كَرَمِهِ ذَنْبَهِ For indeed, because whoever knows his Lord considers his sin as small and paltry next to Allah's generosity. So it's talking about, this one is obviously referring to a situation after a person has sinned, made tawbah and istighfar as well. But then, Shaitan keeps making them feel bad that whatever you've done is not good enough or whatever the case is. So now this is giving them hope. We need hope and fear are things that which we described last time that the beginner needs more fear because that gets them going and then the person who's on the path now they need a balanced and then a person who's advanced they need more hope because uh, there's different circumstance for those that we discussed. Um, besides that though, if you look around in terms of our circumstance and our situation, sometimes we just need a bit more hope. And sometimes, even on a regular, 
basis, sometimes we just need a bit more hope because we're feeling down. So we need hope. We don't want fear at that point. Maybe there's something else going on in our life, some other difficulty going on in our life. If you start focusing on the fear then, it'll probably get worse. So that's why sometimes what might happen is that we might need a bit more of a dose of fear. And sometimes we might need a better, bigger dose of hope. So this is speaking about after a person has committed a sin, they really regret it. They want to move on, but they can't maybe because shaitan attacks at all different angles and at all different times. When he doesn't win one battle, he has another ploy for after. Uh, if he can't stop you from getting together, then he's going to try to create competition and other things like that. So that's what shaitan of the humans do. This is what shaitan, the real shaitan does as well. So... Um, we discussed the first part last time that don't ever let any sin become so great in your eyes that you lose sight of Allah's gratitude and Allah's benevolence and patience and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. That was the first thing. Because he says that if you do recognize your Lord, if you get an understanding of your Lord, then you'll understand that all sins can be wiped away completely and you can get back on track with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah is just willing to forgive more than anybody else. So let's look at that in a bit more detail. Basically, he says that anybody who recognizes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and if this doesn't happen, it means we don't know Allah. So this is what should happen. Anybody who then focuses on Allah, the sin that we have done and made tawbah for, sincerely repented for, that should no longer bother us. Not because we think it's like a fly that you just tapped away from your, just kind of shooed away from your nose. Like a little irritation. No. It's because we are so now immersed in Allah that that gives you so much hope and promise. So it's all for Allah. It's not never selfish. You have to remember that it's never selfish. Why? Because at that point, he's made so much tawbah, so much repentance, and he's done so much dhikr and he's renewed his faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to such a degree that nothing else matters except Allah anymore now. So everything else just becomes completely gone from his sight. That's why. So if somebody does end up doing something wrong and then he makes his tawbah and everything, he should then start to realize the amount of blessings of Allah upon him. If Allah has given me all of these blessings, then why not some more? So then it's just Allah, Allah, Allah in his mind and nothing else. That's why Allah says, rahim." What a statement in Arabic. It's like, what a, what a wonderful... Inform my slaves, inform my servants that I am the ghafoor and the rahim. I am the most forgiving one. And I am the extremely merciful one. Tell them, Luke. Tell them. Let them know. They want something, come for it. Why would he declare something like that? Now, there is another part of this in Surah Al-Hijr, which is, But my punishment is also a severe one. This is for those who have not made tawbah. And who might want to use the first part in the wrong way before they've made any tawbah or to actually let them do sin 
and give him a concession to do sin, give him an excuse to sin, to think that, oh, don't worry, Allah is telling, look, he's announcing that he is the most forgiving and the most merciful one. Allah immediately makes sure that shaitan is not going to make us use that in the wrong way. So that's why he declares that my punishment is very, very severe. So that's for those who have not made tawbah, who have not committed the sin yet, to warn them against it. So now you can see how you might need different doses of both at different times, just so that shaitan... It's an amazing system, to be honest. It's an amazing system. The Prophet ﷺ also said, and this gives us an understanding of the great hope that we need to have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a hadith that I'm sure many of you have heard. The Prophet ﷺ said, لَوْ أَذْنَبْتُمْ حَتَّى تَبْلُغَ خَطَايَاكُمْ عَنَانَ السَّمَاءِ If you have sinned, if you have sinned and sinned and sinned until your wrongs reach to the summit of the heavens, reach the skies, as long as you do that, then you have made tawbah. Allah will accept your tawbah. And then he said, Now just to really drive that point home, look how far Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making us feel comfortable with this. Uh, the next part just bewilders me, subhanAllah, it just blows me away because that much was enough that if, you're, if you got sin up to the heavens, we will still forgive you. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really drives that point home more by saying that if, the, if my servants did not sin, like if you guys were such that you did not sin at all, we didn't have any sinners, Allahu bihim. Allah would have got rid of you. Allah would have got rid of you. Then he would have produced another group of people, who would sin, but then who would seek forgiveness. And Allah then would forgive them. Because why? Allah is forgiving and merciful. He loves to forgive. But that's after you've made tawbah. Now I want to clarify something else. What is the difference between istighfar and tawbah? A lot of people think they're both the same. You can use them interchangeably. Definitely one is included in the other one. But what is the difference between istighfar and tawbah? And today I'm going to tell you something about Tawbah which should, which should really give, you, give us an understanding of what Tawbah really means. Because I don't think we understand what Tawbah I think we think it's like Istighfar. Istighfar means to seek forgiveness. Literally, to seek forgiveness. Ya Allah, give me forgiveness. Which is one of the steps in the process of the Tawbah. So what does Tawbah mean? Tawbah doesn't mean Istighfar. Tawbah means to come back, to return to Allah. Remember that, you know, keep that in mind, that Tawbah means to return to Allah. What do you mean return to Allah? You didn't become a kafir, did you, that now you have to embrace the faith again? Maybe, but not everybody, right? So what Tawbah really means is that whenever we commit a sin, whenever we've done something wrong, whenever we've gone against the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's like we've gone off track. That's literally what it means, that we've gone off track. So you're supposed to drive, you know, in lane, you keep swerving left and right. And then eventually you think, I'm, I'm going to get into an accident. Or maybe you did get into an accident. So you say, let me stick to the lane. Let me get back and stick to the lane. That's essentially what Tawbah is, to come back to the obedience and love and security of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Now from now on, whenever we think about this, whenever we commit a sin, whenever we've done anything wrong, think, literally think that we have become away from Allah. That we've driven away from Allah and let's get back. Don't you think that that's a much more powerful idea of Tawbah? Because now we've really understood what Tawbah is. Because until now it was like, okay, I've done wrong, let me seek forgiveness. But no, let us actually think of ourselves as having moved away. Now we need to come back to as close as we can. That is Tawbah. Tawbah Yatubu means to come back. Ruju, to repent and to come back. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for him to say Taballahu alayhim means Allah will accept you back. Allah will accept your return. He's willing, he's got so much that he's willing to always accept our return. So now again, let us keep this in mind that whenever we sin, we depart from the path, we go away from Allah. Tawbah means to come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, that's what the Prophet ﷺ said. He says, Allah is just so forgiving, so forgiving that if you did not sin, then he would have gotten rid of us and put something. But obviously, he's not going to get rid of us because we do sin. We all sin. It's just that we don't seek forgiveness enough. That's what it is. So the reality is, is that we do sin. There are a few people, there are a few people who do not sin. Meaning they've never committed a major sin. They can say at the end of their life that we never committed a major sin. There's people like that. Even as recent, you know, even recent. I know it's getting more difficult. You know, I've just been thinking, if a person a hundred years ago, or fifty years ago, or a hundred years ago, wanted to sin, the amount of sin that he or she had access to was much more limited than the amount of sin that a person can do today in five minutes. Now, if I'm to give you a really graphic detail, a graphic example, A'udhu Billah, graphic example, may Allah protect everybody, is that if there was somebody, a man, who wanted to commit some kind of zina, a form of zina, he'd have to find the person to do that with, and it'd be one person for that hour or whatever it is. Today, a person in an hour can probably do different forms of zina in, with 20 different people. Whatever his heart desires. In an hour, in 10 minutes, 5 minutes, whatever you want to say. Before, if somebody wanted to do that, they would have had to go out, look for somebody, hook up, and it'd be one person. I mean, maybe two people, whatever. But here, it's unlimited. The scope is just so great. So all we can say that it's more difficult, but then we hope that with Allah's mercy that there's greater reward for that. There's greater reward and greater protection, greater forgiveness. We need these hadith, we need a lot of hope. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we've got a number of other hadith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gets more joyful with the return of his servant than a very, very thirsty person who finds water, finally, than a woman who hasn't had a child for years and years and suddenly she gets pregnant. These are extreme forms of situations of happiness. Like imagine 10 years, no child, and then suddenly you get a child. And number three, somebody's lost something. They can't find it. Their life depended on it. They really needed it. And then suddenly they find that thing. However, this, after saying all of this, this does not mean that our sins must now diminish in our sight. We still commission sins. And they're so small in our sight because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, forbearance and 
forgiveness is so great. Let us not be deceived by that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once revealed uh, to Dawud alayhi salam. Dawud alayhi salam. Ya Dawud, kulli ibadi as-siddiqeen la yaghtarru. Announce to, tell, 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 my, uh, tell my voracious uh, servants, my absolutely truthful servants. They're truthful in every sense. They're not just truthful in their tongue, but they're truthful in their actions. That's, that's a Siddiq. Tell them they must never become deceived. فَإِنِّي إِنْ أُقِمْ عَلَيْهِمْ عَدْلِي وَقِسْطِي وَعَذِّبْهُمْ غَيْرَ ظَالِمٍ لَهُمْ Because if I was to establish my, my justice and fairness and deal with them in justice and fairness, then I could punish them and I wouldn't be considered an oppressor. I could find something that they've done off track slightly and I can just give them a punishment for just what they've done wrong just when they went off track when they went distant from me and I wouldn't be an oppressor I couldn't be guilty of oppression and then tell my righteous servants though tell my righteous servants actually tell my sinning servants this was for the righteous servants tell my sinning servants la yaqnutu they should never be despair. They should never become despondent. Because never is there any sin, any sin whatsoever that I can't forgive for them. Oh no, that one's a bit difficult. Sorry man, that one's a bit difficult. That one's too big. That one's too messed up. No, it could be really messed up. But as long as the tawbah comes and you come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the right way, you found your way to come back to Allah, then it can be forgiven. Nothing's too great for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Junaid al-Baghdadi rahimahullah radiyallahu anhu said, إِذَا بَدَتْ عَيْنٌ مِنَ الْكَرِيمِ أَلْحَقَتِ الْمُسِيءُ بِالْمُحْسِنِ Subhanallah. You know sometimes you have an evil eye of somebody and it messes you up. نَزَلْ لَكَّيْ they say. Little child or somebody else. Likewise, you can actually have the righteous eye, a benefit of the righteous eye. You just need those eyes. It's the righteous eye. If a bad eye can work from a distance, they don't even have to touch you, they just have to give you a bad eye. Sometimes even without realizing, then they can be good eyes. Now they use that idea, Junaid al-Baghdadi is using that idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, when, when from the noble one, one glance comes. When he says, okay, Ahmed, Yusuf, Abdurrahman, Muhammad, that's it. I like what you've done. You're a sinner. I love what you did that day. Al-Haqatil Musi' bil Muhsin. He can take that wrong, that wrongdoer, that sinner, and make him from the group of righteous ones. He just wants an excuse. He just wants us to try to get back, get back, get back. He's not going to mess us around. No, you can't come back. He's not going to make us jump through hoops. As long as we've done the right thing, it's a very straightforward scientific approach with Allah. Make your tawbah sincerely and you get back. Very simple, straightforward. With somebody else, you have to worry about their temperament. No, he's very difficult to please. Once you mess him around, he never forgives. Or you really have to do a lot to convince him. That's what happens with other people. You have to do all sorts. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's very straightforward theory, straightforward fact, straightforward procedure. Shaykh Abu al-Abbas al-Mursi rahimahullah says in his hizm, now this one, 
Uh, just listen, then I'll explain to it because it's a bit uh, not so straightforward when you hear it. He says, uh, This is his munajat to Allah. This is his little intimate discourse with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, Ilahi, my Lord, ma'siyatuka nadatni bitta'a. Your disobedience called me to obedience. Disobeying you called me to obedience. Again, don't jump to any conclusions here. I'll have to explain this one. But it's very subtle. Your disobedience called me to, your, to obedience. But then your obedience has called me to your disobedience. Now, which one should I be worried about? Which one should I be more fearful in? The obedience or the disobedience? And which one should I have put my hopes in? In Then he's saying to Allah that I've tried this and these are my results. If I say I should put my hope or fear in the ma'asiyah, in the disobedience, and thus qabaltani bifadlik, then that means that you will approach me with your grace. Then that means then there's going to be no fear left. There's going to be no fear left. If I say, oh, it's the obedience that I need to be worried about, then you could confront me with your justice and punish me. So then I don't get any hope left. No hope remains afterwards. How is it now? How can I ever compare whatever I do as good compared to what you do for me as a favor? At the same time, how can I ever be ignorant of your grace along with disobeying you? I can't, de- I can't deal with this. This is an experienced person speaking about it. It might not make any sense right now. But let me explain what he's saying. What he's essentially saying is that when a person is in a disobedience, and this is talking about a person who doesn't like to stay far from Allah, who likes to stay on the middle course, he's usually an obedient person, he's done something wrong. He wants to be obedient, really wants to be there, but he's done something wrong. And when he does something wrong, he realizes that what he's done wrong is really bad, and he's done this wrong against the might of the truthful one. How can he take him on? How can he take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on? How can he take the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on? So he becomes extremely submissive. He becomes extremely weak and incapacitated. He feels really, really helpless. So what his sin has done has given him this ability to feel like a proper slave of Allah. To feel helpless and in total need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So can you see now how his disobedience created obedience? And he just starts to magnify his Lord and just really perturbed and scared. They call this afdalul ibadat. This could be one of the highest forms of worship when you feel like that. Not that you do a sin, but what it produces. It doesn't have to... That's not, only way to, that's not the only way to produce this state. There's other ways to produce it, safer ways. Because this one, we might say we're going to do that to produce this state, may never actually produce that state. You have to have something going on. Something, you need to have something for this to happen. He says, So now this disobedience that he had fallen into has, has basically called him, subhanallah, to be obedient. 
to the very thing that he had avoided in the first place. Now, on the other hand, when he is in obedience, he is enjoying his obedience, it's easy for him to do obedience. He's waking up for tahajjud, he's getting his prayers done on time, he's avoiding a lot of stuff and everything. Rubbama shahida fiha nafsa. And it's very easy in that state to start thinking, mashallah. I'm on it, I'm on it, I'm great. Not with a view of thanks, that's fine. Like, alhamdulillah, I'm on it. Alhamdulillah, I've stayed safe. No. Man, this is really good. Look at that guy, man. He can't even do this much. He can't even do that much. Alhamdulillah, I've not missed this in two months. Alhamdulillah. Right, subhanallah. Yeah, so his, his whole focus now becomes very selfish. Very self-ego-centric. At the end of the day, what does he do? He starts to now do shirk with Allah. Not like he's claiming another God, but... He is directing his attention to others now, to show others. Especially if some people come and give him a bit of praise, then it just makes it worse. I remember a friend of mine, we were traveling somewhere and there was something he did that was praiseworthy, but I wasn't sure if he did it. I had a haunch that he did it. I said, did you do it? So he tried to avoid the question. I said, what are you trying to do? Like, why, why don't you just say it? So then he figured out that I knew. So he said, you know what? I've already got such a big ego problem. I don't want to feed my ego more. That's why. So that's a way to try to deal with that kind of stuff. Just try to avoid any kind of praise. So this person will start to uh, focus on others, focus on his own nafs and self. And that means that's going to totally spoil his etiquette with Allah, his adab with Allah, his focus on Allah. That's a sin. For Allah, that's a sin. Once you start uh, focusing on somebody else, that Allah hates totally. That is shirk. Shirk is when you uh, ascribe somebody. Maybe it's on a minor level we're ascribing them. We're still doing it for Allah, but we just want to show these guys. So that's why when he is in his worship, then it's possible that this kind of sin be, uh, be commissioned by him. That he should be avoiding. And now he's not. He, now uh, the Shaykh, Shaykh Abu Abbas, he says, I'm worried now. I don't know which one to focus on. Because if I'm here, I could, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm on this side, then this is what comes about sometimes. And if I'm on this side, then this could come. I'm not sure if I should be hopeful or fearful. I'm not sure which one to focus on. What he's basically saying is that, you know, when I look at the form of a, of a disobedience, the outer form of the disobedience. So he's committed a wrong, and you look at the form of the disobedience. Um, and I realize that it's a problem, so then you are going to give me your grace, you're going to forgive me. So what's going to happen is, that whole disobedience is going to be wiped out. Because you've forgiven me now. On the other hand, if I look at that disobedience, and... I know that you're, uh, and I think that you're going to actually treat me, punish me, give me back for what I did, and you've got total right, and it, with fairness, would you do that? So, at the same time, the same thing is going to happen. Right? Eventually, that, that will also be obliterated, because I'll seek forgiveness afterwards. So, eventually, what I have to come to terms with, he says, is just purely hope in you. Hope, he says, 
وبقي مهد الرجاء من الكريم الوهاب الذي يؤتي بلا سبب I need to forget about all of this and I need to just look upon you without any focus on my sin or obedience and I need to just have hope in you as the greatest giver that you will give me I don't know if you've got that I need to then forget about everything else because that's going to create turmoil I need to avoid sin obviously but my philosophy and my outlook needs to be that Ya Allah I must just put all of my hopes in this benevolent and this abundantly giving one who actually gives without any reason to give because he's given all of us so many things without us doing anything right from our infancy that's where we want to eventually get to we just focus on Allah so much that that's it we avoid everything else but our main focus is just that Allah gives us so eventually the conclusion of all of this is simply that if a arif billah the one who wants to always be with Allah if he does end up committing something wrong then he doesn't stay there he comes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he knows that there's enough room with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives enough so that's what he does Shaykh Abdullah Gangohi the way he explains this whole wisdom number 49 he says one should not hold one's sin in such a grave light that one loses hope in the grace and mercy of Allah most high and one should not think that the gravity of my sin is so great that there is no forgiveness for it and I have on account of this sin now reached the stage where I am unfit for his grace and mercy such despair has to be the consequence on an, of a ignorance and an unawareness of the attributes of Allah Most High you don't know Allah that's why you would think like that uh, one who has recognized the Creator and is aware of his attributes will be acquainted with his attributes of forgiveness and grace he will thus understand that in the presence of the infinite attributes his sins are insignificant in such a state, a servant will always have hopes of being forgiven. Sometimes people have psychological issues. That's what I want to finish off the discussion with. Some people have psychological issues where they are more prone to fear. Uh, I, I knew one person every now and then, maybe once a year or something, they would just go into a fear mode. To such a degree, they couldn't come out of bed. They wouldn't want to eat. They wouldn't want to go out anywhere. They wouldn't want to go out salat. It was a fear of Allah. It was a fear of Allah. It was literally these dreams about Jahannam and fear of Jahannam and hellfire and so on. Now, that could be spurred on by some kind of mental health issue. No doubt. It's just mental health issues are very tricky. Because when you have a mental health issue, it's probably a chemical imbalance in the mind. But then what that does is that it takes on a manifestation of something that you relate to. And people think that it's actually the problem, the manifested problem is the, is the problem. But the real problem is the actual mental health issue. So I've had somebody call me who said that they've had mental health issues or this particular problem. For about seven, eight years, they've tried lots of rukia and everything. And uh, I said, go to the doctor's. Oh, am I allowed to go to that? Is it halal? I've been just told that you're not allowed to do that. I said, of course you can. You have to do a multi-pronged approach because simply, it, if rukia is not working, it could just be a chemical imbalance. This, just like you have a physical imbalance, you don't just do 
rukya for physical imbalance, do you? If you have, I mean, if you have a big wound somewhere, right? You don't just do rukya for that. You, I say you should have a multi-pronged approach. Ask Allah, pray, yes, make dua on it and everything. Invoke the shafi, everything. But then go and get some medicine. Unless you're so close with Allah that you know that He's just going to, you know, it's fine. However Allah wants to keep you, that's fine. That's a different level we're talking about. Same thing, I mean, just consider mental health. or I mean, nowadays I, I hate the word mental. I've always had an issue with it. Somebody gave me a new word. It's emotional problems, emotional health problems. So yes, absolutely, you can, you can, you can, you can do that. Um, just, you know, get two or three opinions if you can, and then, and then basically ju- just, just do that. So sometimes people are beset with immense amount of fear. And that doesn't have to be just a religious thing. However, religious things do help in that case. So I would sit with the person sometimes. Others would sit and they would bring all of these virtues. A lot of the uh, virtues, uh, a lot of the sifat of Allah, the hadith, the forgiveness verses, all of that would help the person. But because it's a chemical, because it's, a, uh, it, it's just beset him, it works for a while and goes back. It works for a while and it goes back. So it's a good idea to get ilaj. It's just that we probably don't have enough Muslim therapists who understand all of these things, plus the profession. And that, that's what we need more of. And then what do you do about people who are just overly hopeful? They just don't care about anything. I think, is there more of those, right? There's more of, there's more of them than people who get really, really scared. Like I've seen very few people who get really, really scared, but there's a lot of people who just have lots of hope, they don't care. Uh, they're just totally apathetic. They, they just have apathy. That's a more difficult one. Because at least the guy with the fear, he knows he's got a problem. He's going through some kind of de- depression or something. But with a person who's just, they, they don't even know that they've got a problem. Now, I don't know if that's a psychological problem, that is a nafsi problem. It's probably not a brain problem, it's probably a brain and nafs problem. So that's why that definitely can be helped. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from all forms of extremes in every aspect and give us uh, what the author has told us and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to understand him better so that we know exactly what he wants from us at every stage and wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarak tayyadal jalali wal ikram Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum birahmatika nastaghith Allahumma ya hannan ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna minal zalimin اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اهدنا واهد بنا واجعلنا هداة لمن اهتدى اللهم إنا سلك تمام العافية ودوام العافية والشكر على العافية الله 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 have mercy on us we ask for your mercy and grace we ask for your benevolence your generosity your forgiveness forgive us our wrongdoings forgive us our mistakes forgive us our laziness our distractions our delays, our transgressions and our sins and especially those that we've forgotten about now. We don't want to see them on the Day of Judgment. We want to be purified. Ya Allah, bring us back. Accept us. Allow us to come back. Oh Allah, if we, even if we don't want to come back, oh Allah, grab us by the forelocks and bring us back to you. Enter us into paradise. Oh Allah, make this journey back to you easy for us. Oh Allah, make us want it. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we know that there's lots of space. We know that you accept. We know that you have great mercy. We know that you give abundantly. We know that you are the greatest forgiver. 
But oh Allah, we sometimes just lack the drive and we stay away from you. Oh Allah, we stay away and we stay away from your compassion. We stay away from your mercy. We stay away from your generosity. We find others that we think we can get something from. Oh Allah, this is delusion. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from this delusion. You snap us out of this delusion. You bring us back. You bless all of us, all those who are listening. Oh Allah, bless all of us and keep us with you. Oh Allah, allow us to stay with you. Allow us to have that love and have the love of those things which benefit us in this regard and have distaste and distrust for those things that take us away from you. Oh Allah, slowly, slowly, many, many people and us, we fall for things that distract us, that take us away. Oh Allah, grant us return to you, grant us blessings with you, grant us comfort with you, grant us harmony with you. Oh Allah, this is the place, grant us the sweetness of faith. Oh Allah, grant us the sweetness of faith. Oh Allah, bless all of those who have assisted us and who've allowed this deen to come to us and conveyed it to us. Bless everybody up to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All of our teachers and grand teachers and all the mashayikh, oh Allah, bless them all abundantly. Without them, we wouldn't have been where we are today. Oh Allah, allow us, allow us to be the source of goodness for others as well. Allow us to be good ourselves and allow us to be the source of goodness for others. Remove, help us to remove the evil within us, the real evil around us. And oh Allah, allow us to stay away. There are so many avenues of sin, Ya Allah, today. It is so easy to sin. It is so easy to disobey you. Oh Allah, it is so easy to disobey you. Allah, protect us from all of these forms. Because the only way we can stay away is with your assistance. Oh Allah, with your consciousness. Oh Allah, grant us your consciousness. Oh Allah, bless all those who sit here and all of those who listen wherever they are. And oh Allah, bless all of us and our families and the entire ummah. And we ask especially for delivery for those who are suffering and persecution in this cold and in the harsh, in the harsh climates, in, in all other harsh conditions that they may be in. Oh Allah, make us of those who assist others. Oh Allah, make us of those who do the right thing. Accept us all for the service of your deen. Fulfill our permissible needs. Fulfill our permissible projects and make them easy. And accept us all to do something for ourselves and for the entire ummah. And grant us the kalima la ilaha illallah. And grant us the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifuna wa salamun al mursaleena walhamdulillah. Uh, the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially for example the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that inshallah you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind, you can continue to leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.